0: West game Nerds Podcast. I'm your host, John, here with me today are Brian. Hey. And Alex. Hello. And back again for the first time, but not really because it's like the fifth time, Nick. Hello. This week, we're going to talk about Baldur's Gate 3 and a little bit of Remnant. And the four of us, plus Alan, who isn't here, got to check out a sneak peek of PlayStation Productions Gran Turismo, the movie, a racing game movie. But before we get to all of that, if you want to find all the it's places you can listen to or watch the show, movie racing simulator movie it's yes. Not it's not a game it's not a it's, game it's should makes it a
1: point to tell you it's not a game bruv <laughs> right it's not a game bro. It, it's serious but dad i'm
0: good at this or whatever he says <laughs> anyways <laughs> before we get to all of that to find all the places you can listen to the show check out midwestgamers.com slash links the midwest podcast network is the patreon the patreon supports all the shows on our network you could subscribe for as little as one dollar a month and help keep our shows alive and well. Check it out at npn.bz slash patreon. Thanks to JCK, Tom Z, David O, and Corey Z for the contributions. One of the perks of joining the Patreon is to get early access to our bonus episodes that we call side quests. Side quests are where we veer off outside the realm of video games into food, beverages, movies, TV, and more. Join our Patreon to get the episodes a week early. I don't think we're gonna do a side quest this time. We're just doing one big, huge episode. Um As always, we do appreciate your feedback, which you can send to MidWestGameNerds at gmail.com. Don't forget to rate and review us on your favorite podcatcher. Alex, any bumpers for the network?
2: Yes, the horror movie boys talked about Freddy versus Jason. Please give that a (laughs) listen. They also have a tiny tear that will be out for everybody talking about the late, great William Friedkin, who passed away recently, one out for Mm. for Mr. Friedkin. Uh, Mm -hmm. So please check those out and uh yeah horrormovieyourbook.com
0: hell yeah let's talk about Gran Turismo let's uh let's get right
3: into it you don't have a bumper for this start your engines
2: wait a second Nick is this an episode of the Midwest Film Nerds Podcast I think it is okay now you have to do the intro I'm going to (laughs) Welcome to the Midwest Film Nerds Podcast, I'm Alex. I'm Nick. Today we have two very special guests with us from the Midwest Game Nerds Podcast. We have John. Hello. And we have Brian. (laughs) Hey. And we are here to talk to you about Neil Blomkamp's Gran Turismo. That is a sentence I never thought I would say in the 11 years that we have been doing the Midwest (laughs) Film Nerds. It's like a Mad Lib. I believe it's 11 years to the day, so happy anniversary to us. No. Uh, uh, really? Pretty Pretty damn close. Yeah. So oh, that's uh, awesome.
3: What a way to celebrate. Yes. I've prepared some words for the occasion. No, I, I have not. <laughs> there are no words with Neil Blomkamp's Gran Turismo. That just yes. makes me
2: think
0: we probably missed at least two visual references to Chappie in the movie at some point. Like... I'm yeah, there, sure was he was super, there.
2: there was a super. a super cluster of PS4s in the background of one shot. That was that was chappy. Yeah, and a, how and a robot
1: with a gold chain it was like, "Hello, bruv." You know, <laughs> I'm I'm gonna force myself to watch that movie just so I know what the hell you guys are talking you, about. You've really? never seen. Like you no, should for the sake of to. seeing it, but don't.
2: Just, just get, don't. Just get very drunk and turn it on because I mean that's really all you need i think you and erica
0: movie. should sit and watch it drunk and record the commentary for me to listen to later okay <laughs> how many
3: uh how many blomkamp joints have you seen brian i thought um, this was a setup for a
1: joke <laughs> uh district what, what number was well, it that, might nine? Be.
2: <laughs> district nine yes. yes that's correct i
1: saw that um i think maybe one of the others
2: elysium Elysium. the matt damon film
1: Mm, no, I actually, I really? only saw parts of that one.
2: Mm, okay, so well, I don't think you would have seen his other like horror film that came out during COVID. Would be my
1: guess, but probably. So I guess just District Nine. That's wow. good.
2: And also, Gran Turismo, the movie oh, we're talking yeah. about today. You've oh seen gosh. the
3: best, too. That was it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh, the IMDb synopsis for Gran Turismo says, Based on the unbelievable, inspiring true story of a team of underdogs, a struggling, working-class gamer, a failed former race car driver, and an idealistic motorsport exec who felt who risked to take it all on the most elite... Wow. That makes it, it sound all like it's all the
0: same character, the way the that's laid elite out. The most sport in the world.
2: Yeah, I don't know. That's, I also butchered it as well, so that didn't help. In the In the, in the the vein of a normal Film Nerds episode, I could not speak the synopsis. This is going okay.
3: right, right on track.
2: <laughs> uh, this movie stars David Harbour, really, as Jack yes. Salter, Orlando Bloom, Archie Mediquay as Jan Mardenborough. And uh, several other people, including Jimon Hansu as Oh yeah. Daddy Marden Burrow. Uh, we saw this as a preview event for fans. They actually delayed the movie like two or three weeks. Yeah. Because the fact that what, what I read was that they delayed it because of the strikes, because yes. the actors can't promote the film. They want the fans to promote the film. So they did special screenings and like limited release in a few uh, cities uh, this past weekend and this coming weekend. And then the movie, I think, officially comes out on the 25th, uh, according to. So we're a bunch of scabs. We crossed the line. Dang. IMDb. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Not, I mean. The thing is, nobody listens to our podcast, so I don't feel so bad about it. <laughs> Except for you, listener. Thank you for listening.
1: Oh, I, did, um, I didn't realize we weren't supposed to go see movies.
2: That they didn't ask people to not go see movies, but they have asked podcasts that base content on, uh, on struck, struck work to not cover that Struck work. So, oh, Interesting but so, it's yeah. it's it's all a gray area kind of thing. I don't know. I'm going to hashtag the fuck out of this. <laughs> there you go. Uh yes, Gran Turismo by Neil Blomkamp. Uh I think John, what did you think of Gran Turismo by Neil Blomkamp?
0: Okay, going into this, I did not really know what to expect other than I think Brian posted an article where the title was something like Gran Turismo movie gets gamer in the most cringe way or something like that. Like (laughs) Something like that. And I remember reading that and being like, man, like, I don't even know what that means, right? Because, like, (laughs) to be a gamer used to be cringe in and of itself for a while. And now, like, being a gamer because gamers are predominantly between the ages of 24 and 36 I think is like the main gamer Ooh. age average age out. at least yeah you're an outlier Uh, Malcolm Gladwell's proud of you Um, but yeah like that being the thing like that kind of defines gamer age group like it's not really cringe anymore to be a gamer I guess I don't know but anyways the parts that were gamer esque in the movie I actually thought were really funny And Mm. it didn't bother me. And overall, I thought the movie itself was a very enjoyable watch. I don't know if I would ever actually pay to see it in a theater unless it was IMAX because that was epic Mm. as shit. The screen was huge. The sound was loud. Uh, They had cool music because Sony and Sony has rights to some pretty good music all around, (laughs) uh, including limited to Enya, you know. So... (laughs)
2: Apparently uh-huh. Kenny G and Kenny G. Spoiler yeah. alert! <laughs> Spoiler alert!
0: That Kenny G anger or whatever he says. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I I thought it was a lot of fun. It was a good watch. I thoroughly enjoyed it, like more than I was expecting to. And uh, ultimately, it did what it needed to do, and it has inspired me to start looking at the fancy ass driving sim getups that I can set up in my office to play gran turismo on my (laughs) giant television with playstation vr tv if i want you know like i i've been looking at stupid steering wheels in like car seat setups like for the past week since we saw the movie and uh it's kind of it's kind of ridiculous so uh props to sony's marketing department for getting that one in in the in the game there You're, you're saying they got
2: one they got accomplished yeah. the mission well, and, of
0: one. And I, I only the only Gran Turismo game I've ever played was Gran Turismo three on the PlayStation two back in the yeah. day. I haven't played one since. I have I haven't really had the dr- the drive to like play <laughs> a driving game of any sort. I'm sorry, driving sim. Uh, I haven't I haven't had any like itch to do that. But now like I want to because of this movie. Like I'm like this looks like this for one having a PSVR 2 and having everyone on the internet basically be like playing Gran Turismo in PSVR 2 is the best experience I've ever had in VR period is like that is awesome to begin with mm-hmm. secondly this movie makes you want to play the game because it, it's so intense and cool and like if the graphics are as great as they say they are and like they I actually really liked the beginning like 5 minute mini documentary about the creator of the game and what his oh. vision was I would love like an actual documentary about the Gran Turismo series. Like that would be very interesting to watch from a production standpoint because of the amount of detail they put into creating the realism, not just like the sound, but the physics and like, you know, everything that the cars do in terms of, uh, you know, application of like various performance parts and whatnot, like how all that works. Like I just, I find that really interesting from a, from a creator's uh, perspective. So overall, thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh would definitely recommend if you do see it, see it in IMAX if you can. If not, just see it on the biggest possible screen that you can. Uh and and go into it like I think if everybody goes into it with like reasonable expectations, I think you'll walk out pretty
2: happy overall. Sounds yeah. good. Yeah. Brian, anything to add?
1: Um yeah. I I do feel like critics are probably being very harsh on it. Cause I, I don't know. I think it tells a good story. Um, it's, uh, it is enjoyable. I mean, like John said, it, it looks and sounds great. And I mean, the racing scenes are super intense. Uh, the, the gaming stuff did make me cringe a bit in the beginning <laughs> with the, uh, spoiler police chase scene <laughs> that I didn't really appreciate like yeah it's kind of funny but I was like when I first saw it I was like oh no is the whole movie gonna be like this and it wasn't really like I mean yeah they they had the those gamer moments sure but I, I feel like he, he did they didn't play moments? into those too much and uh, yeah David Harbor definitely stole the show he was hilarious per usual. Um, but, uh, I I felt all the characters were, were good. It it was, it was well acted overall. Um, yeah, my experience with Gran Turismo personally is I never played one until seven, which is what is featured in the movie. Um, oh, Really? yeah you're like a big Gran Turismo guy don't you talk about no, it a lot I am on the show? a big racing sim and other like more casual racing games fan but I always had an Xbox or a PC so I played the Forza series I played that oh, that's like Forza of. Motorsport from yeah. two all the way until seven and I will definitely okay. be playing the new one when it comes out shortly, I believe in the next month or two. Um, so yeah, G, uh, I had the PS five GT seven came out. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to get that. And then I happened to get lucky and, uh, one of my friends at my previous job is really into like playing, like racing, Racing um, Sims. Yes, and he upgraded his setup to Fantech stuff, like they show in the movie. Actually, um, which is legit. And, well, I've been um, shopping. Yeah, <laughs> well, that, that's the kind of stuff you want. Just going. Go I think they have different. <laughs> they have different tiers of of product. I'm sure. Yeah, no,
0: I mean the specific one for PS Five is only thirteen hundred dollars. <laughs> Jesus.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I basically. Uh, As a hand-me-down, got the, uh, Logitech G, I can't remember the name, but it's, like, the new, one of the newer, uh, PlayStation-specific models of Logitech. I think the 930. back wheels. Um, and it also comes with the, uh, shifter, and all I bought was the, uh, like, the mounting setup for it, which was, like, 70 bucks, um... But man, that changed everything. Like, Gran Turismo really comes alive when you use that shit. It's it's wild. You definitely need to come try it, but also you don't, because once you do, you'll be like, man, I really want to get a better setup. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it is kind of awkward, though, and it kind of ruins the whole look of my office, because it's just chilling in the corner. And that kind of pisses so it me off.
3: Enhances your office? No, you should, no, no. You should
1: put it in one of those like children's race car beds.
3: <laughs> <I was> literally. <laughs> well, that would
1: enhance it, but I don't have room for that unless I get rid of my little couch. Oh, my well, I was thinking the same mean, thing. You
2: have to make sacrifices, Brian.
1: I like I like the the little couch though because basically I I have my PS5 set up to this monitor that I'm using for my PC and stuff as well. And I just pull the racing setup to here, and I use my office chair. I don't have the whole like cockpit setup like some people do, um, but it works well, if pretty it, well. If, like if it was my in seat, a child's racing bed. It could you could just wheel it over there. <laughs> well, what I was saying is nice is when people sit on the couch, it's like they are passengers, <laughs> and they can just watch me race from the back seat and back seat drive. It's great. Oh man.
2: That's the next thing. The billionaires will be paying to sit in these F1 races uh, in the back compartment, which would slow down the car too much, to be real. Anyway.
1: But uh, John, we, well, John and Alex, we need to combine forces. You guys need to bring the PSVR over here, and then we can use the racing setup so we can have all of it at once, and you can really see what it's like.
2: And then John can hit uh, uh, by now on that fan tech setup as soon exactly. as he sits down in it,
1: but um, um,
0: throw up from the realism. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I, I don't know if I have too much else to say about it. God, I, I guess so from my standpoint of having played all the Forza games, like I knew all the tracks that they were highlighting and that was exciting to me. Like yeah. New burn ring is fucking amazing. And it was cool to see it shot so well in that movie. Um, Lamont, obviously, is legendary. And that was cool. And, yeah. I I wish they had shown a few more tracks that I liked, but whatever. It's no big deal. They had to show whichever tracks were probably part of that competition, you know.
2: Yeah. Uh, Nick, what were your thoughts on Neil Blomkamp's Gran Turismo?
3: I enjoyed it significantly more than I thought I would (laughs) Uh, and honestly I kind of went in not like terrible expectations but I think reasonable given premise and the director and subject matter (laughs) and Orlando Bloom (laughs) (laughs) some of the gamer cheese that was throughout, but I, uh I liked it a lot. It's got the, it's got the handicap going for it, that it's a racing movie. And for some reason, racing movies seem to um seem to just work for me. Almost. I can't even think of a racing movie. I've seen that. I didn't like really have an <laughs> awesome time. At, actually. Uh I'm sure there's one somewhere, but at any rate, they're, they're always, they always sneak up on me. Like I, I'll watch one just on a whim. Cause I'm like, I heard it was good. And then by the end, I'm just like, just like so into it and that's kind of the way this one was too they have that they have that momentum uh, that just builds and builds and by the end you're just like hyped Uh, I still think about I'm so envious that uh, Gojo worked in a theater still when Speed Racer came out because he said Mm. he was in the theater watching Speed Racer and he said that in like the big climax of Speed Racer which if you've seen it you understand is just so sick and he said that like literally people in the theater were like clapping and like standing up because it's so good (laughs) and it's visually just so so awesome uh but at any rate yes this movie definitely has a lot of that going for it um the first like 15 or so 15 to 20 was kind of a slog i was like oh boy thinking this if this is what we're in for because I actually checked my watch at one point, I specifically wore my watch that had the indiglow because I thought <laughs> I might need to reference this a couple times. And uh, <laughs> mercifully, it was only kind of at the beginning. But I do remember there was a, there was a part there early on where I looked and I just did the little and checked the time, and I thought, "Oh my god, this movie's like two hours and fifteen minutes, and <laughs> uh-huh. uh, there's so much more of this to go." But then it just gets better and better and better, and I I did end up really really liking it. I would watch it again for sure. I don't know about the theater. Um, because it's hard for me to get to the theater period, um, at this point in my life, but I would definitely watch it streaming and probably really enjoy it again. I think it was a lot of fun. Uh, David Harbour is so great in this and he has carved out, I think a really cool niche for himself where he's like, he just can do a lot more than I think he probably gets credit for. He's already done it, I guess, in Stranger Things, uh, He's he's been so funny and he's been so emotional and so tough and so vulnerable and he could just do a lot with that mug of his and uh he's got I got major think he's awesome. dad
0: vibes like he's just a Super dad, dad vibes. dude yeah. yeah
3: He really embodies dad like him and Rob Delaney should just be like dads in a movie together Oh my god <laughs> cuz they're just cut from the same dad
1: cloth which is <laughs> denim uh, just <laughs> but Steve David Harbour also... Dead. Dead. Just is it dead? denim or is, is it flannel?
2: Mode? It might be flannel, actually. Delaney
3: is the it's, flannel. It's, uh, the, uh, flannel
2: sure. it's flannel line denim is
0: what they it is. They could
3: be buddy cops called <laughs> denim and flannel or something like that. And, <laughs> and they'd be really oh good. And Ron Perlman can be the, the chief. Because <laughs> Ron Perlman's like... He's like dad, but he's not like anyone's dad that you know. Because he's just like... <laughs>
1: He's a dad's dad, you know? Honorary dad.
3: Like him and like Denzel (laughs) would be like the top dads. And
1: uh, (laughs) Denzel, I wouldn't want him as a dad.
3: The rest would just trickle, you know, underneath the other dads. So yeah, anyway. uh, Oh, just to jump in real quick.
0: Uh, I don't know. I didn't realize that uh, the mom was played by Ginger Spice. Yeah, man. Yeah. Oh, no shit. Like crazy to me, but um, that's cool.
2: Yeah. Uh, yeah, I didn't realize until the credits when I saw her name, and I was like, oh, she shit. She was good, too. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
3: they yeah, well. they, I think they acting across the board, except for Orlando Bloom. I just don't like Orlando <laughs> Bloom. I remember saying to Alex uh, at the end, I said, Luke Evans could have played this and done it much better, in my opinion.
1: I mean, I mean he, was, he was
3: fair. He, he was, was a fair. solid
1: douchebag, I felt.
3: Yeah, that is probably part of what he was supposed to be. I think at the beginning they position him as kind of the hero of the whole thing, like the brain, the brains who comes up with it. But then by the end, yeah. he's kind of he's not an antagonist, but you're just kind of like eh, get, get this guy out of here. Like he doesn't, I he's really, he's I think
0: he's, he's the cheesiest part of the whole movie. Yeah. Like yeah. his overall like demeanor and everything was very hokey to me. But beyond that, like he, he to me he played such a minimal role in, in the scope of the whole film. Like I just didn't even care
1: yeah. when he was on screen. I just feel like I can weirdly only take him seriously if he's a pirate or has elf ears. <laughs> yeah. I
2: I yeah, I think the the service that was done there is that the plot line was half baked. They didn't Extremely. quite commit. Um
3: it could have done it could have done with even 5 more minutes of connective tissue for him. Yes. And a, and a better actor would have been able to do more I think with the limited screen time
2: for sure because i know what they
3: were trying to do they were trying to say this is a guy who's on like his last ditch effort to try to make a point and this is like his pipe dream but he believes in it and like if you bring that energy that like lee pace from halt and catch fire has where like this guy's got literally nothing but he's got this idea that he knows is really good and if he can just get it right it'll well i think
2: i think this is veering into spoiler terry a little bit but i feel like the (laughs) Where I want it, what you are going with sounds like a very like uplifting part of what he could take in this movie. I was going more along the lines of the sleazebag bag who is trying to rig it, because that's kind of what it seemed like was implied. Uh, oh, for sure, and at least in like the key point of the movie, right? But. Um, you know, yeah, I think either way, if they would have done something more with it, it would have been fine. But in the end, this movie so bloated, they didn't have the time to do anything else with it, honestly. That's yeah, weird. Yeah. It is weird. So,
3: I, I, I don't, I can't think of what I would cut, but I just think that character could have been a little more interesting. Yep. Um, so it's not entirely his fault, but he just didn't help the cause, uh, mm-hmm. for me anyway. I know it'll probably work for a lot of other people. Uh, but <laughs> I, the action was great. The gamer stuff was a little dorky. The transitions to like the, The holograms of the car around him going back and forth from sim mode. I didn't really care for that. Uh, But I guess I get it. They want to market this to the youths. But... I don't know how many youths are going to be stoked about a Gran Turismo movie anyway. So I feel like they... They, they don't even they want just... to drive.
1: Right, that's, yeah. That's, that's the kind thing of like, the main
3: thrust of the movie. That's <laughs> the thing is, is
0: Gran Turismo in and of itself is a very niche game. Like uh, like driving yeah. simulators of that nature are very, very, very focused niche.
1: Yeah. To,
0: to, to make a movie of it that makes it this cool looking and interesting to play... Is gonna Ooh. make people want to buy this game, like stri- yeah. Like I walked out of the theater and was like, "I'll buy it right now."
3: Is it I interesting? Think gonna, to I think get- it's gonna make dads want to buy this game. Like I think, I think we are the target demographic <laughs> for this movie. I, would, cool. yeah. I would be really Maybe. curious. To, I would be really curious to see what like, like people under twenty would would think of they, this. If
2: they really missed this, should have been a this should have been a Father's Day release. Honestly, like I don't. <laughs> There's no other but I, time, I also, like
0: the the other thing I was say is like I don't I don't know like um what I don't know what the esports community is like for racing sims like I'm assuming it exists to some extent but like Well, obviously, yeah. E- esports are growing still. Like I mean, Oakland University has an esports team. Like yeah. what the fuck, man? Uh so for for universities to start picking up esports like this is probably going to like at least ignite some of that, you know. It elsewhere, like I don't, I don't know. Like I just, I'd be interested to see, like what, where, um, what grows out of this because of this movie being a thing and being <clears> done <throat> as well as it has. It's, it's not like I... the Warcraft movie made anybody go out and play play Warcraft. You know
2: what I mean? <laughs>
3: well, yeah, it's oh, that... That
2: already on the down <laughs> was, slope. It was a solid game movie, but
3: yeah, uh, we had we had that conversation in the car. Yeah. <laughs> <Talk about laughs> yeah, we did. Duncan Jones and uh and um yeah, uh, Bob Blomkamp. Blomkamp's cr- career trajectories and some of their choices. Weirdly. But Duncan similar. has more hits, I think, than than misses. Yeah.
2: Um I I will say, yes, I enjoyed this movie more than I thought I would, uh, which is good for my enjoyment but maybe bad for the movie and its marketing (laughs) (laughs) i i don't have any real faith that the movie is going to do all that well um but you know i i think i think there's probably an hour 45 of really great movie in there and there's 30 minutes of just bloat and like I agree with you John that I liked the documentary style stuff at the beginning. I just wish it wasn't in this movie. I wish it was an actual documentary about yeah, the that making of the series. Yeah, that's what I mean is like
0: if if they broke out of that or if like if if somewhere no clip is just like hey, here's the Gran Turismo documentary because the yeah. movie's coming out. You know, like they maybe they already did that and it's in it's in the pocket they just got to throw it at everybody. You know what I mean? I, like, like I don't know, but but I would be totally into watching that separate from this movie. Like I, I think it for, would
2: be really cool to watch how they used to make Gran Turismo and how they make Gran Turismo today and I think that would be a yeah, really interesting Yeah based on like,
0: what the limitations used to be and
2: then all yep. of the technology that's available to them now. Yeah, that'd be that'd be cool. Um uh David Harbour carries this movie as you guys have said without a doubt although there are some other very good performers in the movie. Um Jimon Hansu. you know, and let me say, let me say this. We didn't really get a whole lot of racing in IMAX until you know, like I don't know, thirty minutes into the movie or so. Jimon Hansu's voice in IMAX is great. He's just got such a great voice. Like it was like a it was a perk of seeing the movie in IMAX that you get to hear Jimon Hansu's bassy voice come out of the IMAX sound system, which is not something <laughs> I was expecting, but it was phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Um and. Yeah, the other thing is, like, I did end up, this movie did make me curious enough to go and read more about <clears throat> the real-life Jan Martenborough, who's the main character of the movie, you know, not spoiling any of the actual, like, events of what occur in this movie, but um, they did kind of, like, remix some of his career in order to synthesize a more dramatic story, and I think that's okay, you know, yeah. I don't know how many people are going to walk out of this movie thinking like, oh, this is a thousand percent true. It's all many, very many people, real, though. I'm sure. <laughs> yes. But it, it, like, it is it is very it is a very like the story itself is very compelling, even in just the couple sentences you can read about it.
3: Yeah, and I think it is.
2: I think the movie does the story a little bit of a disservice in the fact that it feels a little bit too much like a PlayStation commercial, as opposed to committing to actually telling the story of what actually happened. So I think, um, I think it's worth seeing if you're listening to a review about the Gran Turismo movie and you're somewhat interested in it, you'll probably enjoy this movie. And I think it, it would be worth seeing, um, there are some very funny parts in the movie um and I really think it was remarkable to me how hard it was for me to tell what was c g and what wasn't in terms of the racing. I think that is maybe one of the most um, one one of the highest praises I can sing of the movie is the fact that like there wasn't a part of me like I, I bought it all, is the thing. And so, you know, other than, you know, the parts where they show the car, like, flying apart beside him because it's transforming into, you know, his bedroom or whatever, like that stuff, obviously, <laughs> you know, CG. That but was real. The actual racing all felt really real. It felt very urgent. It it showed very well. I, I very much enjoyed that stuff. And so I think, um, you know, Gran Turismo, worth a watch, if you're someone who would want to go see a Gran Turismo movie. Yes. Um,
3: yeah, that's a great wanna... point. The, the 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 CG was really hard to differentiate. Yeah, that's pretty impressive. But Blum Camp has always had a a real knack for amazing animation in his movies. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, we and we yeah. joked
0: about it too on the way out. That how much of the game engine did they use to like make that? You know,
2: like <laughs> <laughs> that's the crazy thing is that like that's a like the game is very much a tool for a lot yeah. of this stuff. Of like, you know, they spend so much time making these things photoreal. Like, why wouldn't that be? Why wouldn't there be a better pipeline of taking these games and using them to make the the CG for the movies? So. Yeah, um,
0: and I'd, I'd also I would like to also see an actual documentary of the real event and racing and everything. I'm assuming they have all the media from you know the whole experience of you know that that Jan went through. Yeah, uh, so it would be cool to actually like see that in contrast to the movie itself. You know that maybe that exists somewhere. I don't I don't really know, but uh, I would be interested in watching that on top of just a general Gran Turismo documentary because I think that would be sweet.
2: Yeah, I don't know if they did cuz the GT Academy, I don't know if they did more um if they did a whole lot of press or anything around it, but they certainly should have if they didn't. So, um who knows? We might see something come out of it um at a later date. But do you guys feel like we need to go into spoilers? Is there anything really spoilery that we want to talk about? I don't really think so.
3: There's a couple um, scenes I, w- I would just touch on that I really loved. All right, like we're from deeper be... in the from deeper in the story, but nothing, nothing wild.
2: Let's go into spoiler Terry right now. I don't have a bumper for spoiler Terry because we didn't really have one. We just played some of the theme song, and I didn't set that up. But uh, I could play the same hit I did before, but I'm not going to. So we're now in spoiler Terry for Neil Blomkamp's Gran Turismo. Uh, Nick, what would you like to talk about on Spoiler Terry?
3: I, th- I really liked the whole, uh... Man, now these characters, none of them have names. Uh, what was the, uh... Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna look it up, just so I can... I got the cast pulled up right now. degree of intelligence. Uh, when Jan and... Uh... Was Audrey his girl, his girl, yes. his gal pal? Audrey. Yep. Okay, so yes, when Jan and Audrey were gallivanting around Tokyo, I like, I really liked that whole sequence. I thought that was really cool. Um, it was nice to see him be able to act like a young kid and just kind of be carefree for like really the only, first and really only time of the movie. It was pretty cool. I think that guy who plays Jan is really good, actually. I've forgotten his name because like I said... Um, Really I don't boldly. want to
0: butcher his last name, but his first name's Archie. Yeah. Archie. He he was Arch in Midsummer,
2: apparently, and I
3: don't oh, really remember him oh, from that. Yeah. yeah, he was. Okay. Yeah, he's good. I mean, I I think I kind of expected for like a video game adaptation sort of like this, I just kind of expected the lead to kind of be like serviceable. I was really impressed with how good he was. Um uh, but anyway, that whole sequence I really liked. Uh I loved the scene of him and David Harbour. Um, the, the moment when David Harbor talks about missing racing, I thought that scene was so effective and he just like, he's just so good. He can do so much with so little. Like there was like a light in his eyes and I like bought, I was like, man, that guy used to race cars. Like it, it just, he sold it so well with such, yeah. I'm sure mediocre dialogue. If you look at the page <laughs> and read the script, you'd probably be like, well, this is boilerplate as as all get out, but he just he just did his thing, man. He's so good. I thought that scene was so compelling. And uh the way he described it, it just it was it was beautiful. Um I thought the scene of Jan kind of him and Jan visiting the site of the wreck uh was pretty dweeby. That one I did not like. I thought that was really goofy and kind of ham fisted. Uh, but it just kind of made me laugh. Almost, I was like, Oof, this
2: is weird. "Yeah, I feel like." So that was one of the things. I don't know, John and Brian, if you saw, but the that accident did happen to Jan, but it was later in his career. It was a couple of years gotcha. after he started, and yeah, so it was I not think
3: in his formative run.
2: I think that maybe like his makes third it race. Yeah, it makes it feel a little bit more forced when you make it as third race, and she's like, "I'm never racing again." <laughs> I think for the drama for, of the story, oh, yeah. it works, but it doesn't quite track in terms of you know yeah. real life. I, it does I make just,
1: sense. I was just thinking that uh, back to the earlier conversation about the youths not driving, seeing that kind of thing on the in the IMAX or whatever wouldn't make you want to drive. That's for sure. <laughs> They would you yeah. would cancel your Nurburgring plans. Yes,
3: <laughs> that scene was crazy though. When that thing took off like a sail, I was like, "Oh shit!" I could totally that was, see uh,
1: that happening. Well, Having yeah, I didn't, played that track a lot. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't know if it was if he was just
2: if it was going to like him him skyrocketing <laughs> into the sun, being like, "All right, this is how his career took off" or something like that. And then no, he actually like crashes into that's actually, a person. Yeah, physics. And, yeah. yeah, that's
3: that's cool. But, yeah. Um, yes, uh, I liked, I liked that they brought his teammates around in the end to kind of be his boys or his, his, what would be adversaries became his, his wingmen at Le Mans. Um, yeah,
2: I was going to say the Le Mans race in general, like I didn't know much about Le Mans beforehand and the fact that it is 24 hours and you're racing in a team and, All that type of stuff, I think, uh, really compelling and interesting to kind of.
3: It's amazing. It's insane. It's nice. I think Lamont is seriously one of the most impressive things humanity does. It's like, (laughs) it's great. Like, I just, and I'm sure that that's a ridiculous statement, but like, it's just wrapping my head around the idea that you're not just driving for like, you're racing like you're it's yeah. not like you can just drive and like kind of shut your brain off and go on autopilot no every second matters every turn matters the entire 24 hours it's crazy to me even if you're breaking it up into three hours like what's a lap on Le Mans like how many laps is that, that you do in three hours it's well he set it's a nuts. record right three minutes and 14 seconds or something like that was the yeah. Was and that like Jan actually did that in real life uh mm-hmm. um yeah, that just, that shit melts my brain. That That's, it's,
0: it's crazy. Like, cause I don't, I, again, I haven't seen a lot of racing movies. So correct me if I'm wrong, but how often are they showing in racing movies, like the physical training that a driver goes through to ready their body for the endurance needed to take, to do a, a, a race like that? Like, those endurance oh. races are called endurance races for a reason. I mean, they, yeah. you, and, and like, I think back to, and this sounds, this sounds like I'm, you know, I'm putting myself in the driver's seat over here, but like, <laughs> Anytime I've gone to, like, cart-to-cart, <laughs> right? Like, think about the times you've ever gone to cart-to-cart, to indoor cart racing, for those who live in, in Michigan. Uh And those are fast go-karts, and they don't have power steering, and I don't know if any of these, like, other cars do. Probably not, because they try to be as lightweight as possible to get really ridiculous speeds, but, like, hmm, it is hard to turn steering. that wheel.
2: Mm-hmm. It,
0: it is difficult to turn that wheel or to, like, hold a turn for as long as you need to, so, like, you kind of do need some upper body strength to do that, like, kind of stuff, you know? And... You got to be able. I, when it was uh, one of the drivers in the in the Le Mans race. They they Le, Le Mans, not Le Mans, Mans, the Mans class, Le-Maz. <laughs> the Lemons clas- class class uh, race. Uh, the one one of the drivers on his team started cramping up and they had to pull him early. Like, you don't think about these things as like average per- people like watching races yeah. on TV or anything. But like these drivers do have to go through a lot of physical training. And they show that they show they show all the all the all these gamers getting their asses kicked by David Harbor, you know, on uh, like uh, going out for the morning run, you know, one that that line from the trailer where the kid throws up on the on the grass. He's like, "You threw up on my lawn through the bullhorn," you know, like
2: <laughs> yeah.
3: I love we'll you're yeah, running, and he says, "This must be a first for a lot of you." <laughs> 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 to me, that was, was the best. Yeah,
2: him, him. Him picking on the nerds could have been very, very cringy, but I just found it very funny. Even I'm his you mad bro, sells it all. He his you mad bro over the headset to um to Jan. Yeah. I just fucking love the man. Deserves
3: I, every dollar. He deserves yep. two dollars more for every dollar he made <laughs> in this movie. Like he, he yeah, there, this movie would not work without him. Honestly, it's yeah. There's enough good elements, but they would not they would not rise above like it would for him. Um. Uh, you guys, if you haven't seen Ford vs. Ferrari, I cannot oh, recommend that's it a good highly lie. enough. It yeah, is such not. an awesome movie in general, but its whole Le Mans uh, portion of the story is just yeah. so good. And it, it, makes, it makes the grueling nature of it even more apparent than this movie did. What's the they smallest
0: mo- size screen I should watch that on?
3: <laughs> Listen, alright, I watched... You asked that question because I told you how I watched it. No, I'm dead serious because,
0: I, like, I most often will probably watch it in the living room, which is like 50 inch television. But I have a okay, 60 inch television upstairs, watch, so obviously or larger. It.
3: So I downloaded that movie on a whim. I'd, I'd heard it was like solid, but no one ever like really, really told me. I had it on my phone, and I watched <laughs> it on a plane, and I could not look away. I literally, I sat like this. So, really, it was like having a big screen, but I sat like this for like two hours and 40 minutes and did not – and every time someone came by and asked me how I wanted something, I was like waving them away. Like, no, no, no. And I was glued to it. I was so into it. And When it ended, I was like, oh, my God, that was so good. And I had the actual like, you know, in headrest screen with all these other movies available, but I watched Ford versus Ferrari like this, like a total idiot, but I was so into it. And it like – I had my uh, AirPods in, so I had like decent sound. And man, it just worked. So on that small of a screen, it was so awesome. I actually have not watched it since on a on a regular screen, but I would love to because yeah. it's the story. The racing is great. The actual story is great. The acting is awesome. Uh, it's great. You should oh, also watch agree. Rush because Rush is also really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, have you seen that one, Brian?
1: I have not. Rush I've is also very the, cool. The old uh, Le Mans movie from like the seventies with McQueen. Steve McQueen. That one was yeah. all right. Not not as intense as Ford v. Ferrari, for sure. Yeah, Ford versus, Ford versus Ferrari is so good. And uh, Need for right, Speed, right?
0: right. We're going to add that one to the list here?
1: Well, yeah. <laughs> that, <so laughs>
2: That's a given.
3: That, I would love to watch that um, as a counterpoint to this and talk about that versus this. I know I that we did... Down. N- we I did did nerds down a rabbit hole. Nerds, like I went back ago.
2: and listened to our Warcraft episode, which then prompted me to go back and listen to our Need for Speed episode, just <laughs> to get just look. I didn't actually listen to the reviews in either of them, but just like listening to the lead up to both of them was very good. The need for Speed talked- was like
3: 2014, wasn't it?
2: Yes, yes, it was. Uh, so yeah. that's all up there on the Film Nerd's feed for people Almost to listen 10 years to ago. if they would like. Um, but yeah, it's I time uh, for a
3: revisit ten years later.
2: Yeah, there you go, there you go. We <laughs> should just re—we should just review everything ten years ago, everything that came out ten just, years ago. We'll just do it so in the you, same uh-huh.
3: order. Yeah, so you'll know what our schedule is and everything. Beautiful. Uh, yeah. Anyway, this is uh, cool. It's cool, even if they uh, kind of remixed his career and life. The fact that they had so many, uh, so many instances to draw upon for one movie, I, I would have gone into this much more excited if I had known the extent of the story like the whole gt academy and all that uh being real and him being this young kid and um uh, i feel like the marketing is kind of failing it in that regard because that yes. to me yeah. is crazy compelling the fact that and as they're like oh true story a gamer who, you know got the race but i just i don't know the there's the no un- part of
2: that when you hear the words gran turismo movie you don't know any of that is coming right and i yeah, like
3: absolutely so-
2: Yes, there's trailers out there, but I don't know how many people are going to be like, I'm going to watch a trailer for the Gran Turismo movie expecting something more than like say Need for Speed, you know. Not that Need for Speed is bad. It's very good for what it is, but you know, just a different.
3: Yeah, it's interesting. I think given given the nature of it and what they're up against, uh it was it was su- very successful to me anyway. Well, good. I liked it. I liked cool. it. It'd be cool to see if they can Adapt other video games in a similar way, but this one is so unique because of the basis. It's it's honestly genius. Whoever at the at a studio was like, "Well, this guy did that. We can make a movie out of that, and like yeah. have it be not only a a a, a Sony thing, but like a, a such a video game centric thing. It's pretty crazy, for sure. It's weird, for sure. It's cool that it's racing too. Did it have, have any of you guys ever been to any sort of race? No.
0: I mean, I when uh, when I was like sixteen, I went to the J Body meetup in Ohio for all the Cavalier drivers because that was cool, and uh, and I and I watched some drag races on the strip, and I actually Ooh. sat in my brother's car, uh, which at the time was running fourteens for a Cavalier, which is pretty fast for a quarter mile uh, drag race for for a Cavalier, a Chevy Cavalier. <laughs> Um,
3: Chevrolet Cavalier a
0: Chevrolet Cavalier <laughs>
3: Chevrolet Cavalier
0: <laughs> and I actually I think one of uh one of their like one of my brothers one of one of Andy's friends Andy and Jason's friends really uh Jay I I believe he has a Cavalier that runs like 12s or something like that which is ridiculous no mm. so, um but yeah I, I like that's that's the most I've done of any racing or seen or watched or anything I had a friend uh a a girl i grew up with who was into quarter midget racing um the little like the little race cars that lead into like the heavier duty like i don't know if it's like nascar mm-hmm. or whatever style they get into but um she was she was pretty good for a while and then kind of fell out of it but um yeah that's about it i haven't i've never been to a, an actual race and like the grand prix <laughs> just happened not too long ago Long longer yeah. right
3: yeah you should try to go to the Grand Prix or, or something in the future. The Grand Prix is actually in the city now, again, and not in Belle Isle. I've been yeah. uh, twice when it was on Belle Isle. And, um, yeah, racing was like one of those sports that I was like, yeah, it's on TV, whatever, pretty much my whole life until I'd been to a race. And then it makes you at least understand the appeal. Even, yeah. that, even like NASCAR, where it's like, all right, they're just turning – for hours, uh, <laughs> turning left, turning left for three hours and three hundred whatever it is. Uh Once you go to something like that and you really see it though, and you get you get caught up in the atmosphere of it, and you 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 need the scale the sights and, and you you the hear sense hear of speed
2: and all of those oh, things. Because st- to- when you're
3: stationary and they just all whip by you, and you feel it in your rumbling in your chest and everything, it's so cool. There's like nothing like it. It's uh, awesome. Uh, uh, uh.
1: <laughs> <laughs> when you get yeah. hit by a wheel, <laughs> yeah, yikes, pure adrenaline.
2: All right, <laughs> I think those are our thoughts on Neil Blomkamp's Gran Turismo. This has been an episode of the Midwest Filmers podcast. Kylex wide. go watch a movie. Boom, okay, John, you can have your podcast back now.
0: All right, uh, why don't you guys talk about Remnant? What's Remnant like online? What
2: are you playing on your Xbox or on your PlayStation <laughs> or on your Nintendo Switch? What you've been playing? So I started playing Remnant. I talked about it a little bit last time. Very little bit. Uh, it's like racing.
3: It's even different in person. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Uh, but Nick uh texted me after I believe uh hearing or seeing that we talked a little bit at Remnant and uh he had also been checking it out as well. So we managed to get together and play some Remnant together as it is a game that is meant to be played uh co op and up to three people, I believe. I think mm-hmm. that's it. because uh, there are three main archetypes that you can pick from. Mm-hmm. Um and so one of the things I didn't get around to talking about is the fact that Remnant's world is procedurally generated. And when you first find the what's called the World Stone, it generates a world based off of a seed um, that will seed different dungeons and bosses into said dungeons um, that are you know not main bosses there are world bosses that are like specific bosses that everybody's going to encounter no matter how they play through the game we didn't get to one of those but we got to a uh we got to one of the rando dungeon bosses uh that you would see in like a souls-like game and um just beat our head against the wall for probably like a good i don't know half an hour to 40 minutes before we had to pause due to potential tornadoes and then came back (laughs) um but yeah yeah, nick why don't you talk about your experience with the game a little bit because you have not delved into souls like games in any real god fashion well
3: one time uh i you guys have talked about Bloodborne so much over the years that I, and it was, I think it was free on PS plus and I thought the art looked cool. And I thought the character designs are cool from what I saw. So I was like, I'll take this for a spin. Even though my instincts told me that I would have a terrible time. <laughs> and, uh, I see, and I've talked, I know I've talked about this before. I hate dying in video games. It drives me crazy. And it's the stupidest hang up that I have because it's, it's part of the game loop. But I, it's why I think maybe I kind of like, like, running, like, runner games and that kind of thing, because you can just keep going, and it, um... The,
2: the time between dying and respawn is very important, because the amount of time you have to get tilted by the fact that you died and you have to wait to get back into the game, you know, like a Super Meat Boy, pretty quick, you can <clears throat> yeah, keep hate trying really progress.
3: quickly. progress, uh, I think that I actually I blame my dad for that because I remember as a kid watching him play computer games like Wolfenstein and Doom and shit. Mm. He would save constantly after he'd clear a room he'd <laughs> save. And I'm the exact same way. Like I remember one time uh, Gojo and I, when we hang out, not so much these days, but in our in our in our glory days, um, he would just bring over his PlayStation or Xbox or whatever it was at the time and a, a TV and just set it up next to mine and we would just parallel play we'd both play either the same game just individually and we do that like skyrim all the time if we weren't like co-oping something like borderlands or whatever we just would literally both like oh i'm in a skyrim mode. we both just would just play skyrim and then we'd look over each other's (laughs) screen once in a while and point something out or whatever but remember one time i was saving and he's like holy shit how many saves do you (laughs) because i will save literally after every encounter it's just quick save it's so easy and mm. and he he would just like laugh and I was like it's because I don't want to lose I don't have to redo what I just did it drives me nuts yeah so that's big part of the thing if you can't say like games like this like like games too where you can't just save whenever you want you got to find a save point no man this does not jive for me
2: yeah so, so anyways so I was gonna say real quick Remnant does follow the campfire situation of a Souls like game but the good news is is that if you die. You really only use the cons- you only lose the consumable items that you've used in that fight. Right. You so lose, you, you you don't lose experience or souls in the same way that you would in 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 a in a Dark Souls or uh you know any of the Souls-like games. So the Oh. So yeah, so it's it's not quite <laughs> as uh Is Elden Ring like that
3: too? Yes. Yes. Ugh. So you, you, you I really can, want to check that game out, but I you just... You can literally lose
2: your experience points in like a traditional Souls-like game, and you don't have to do that in a Remnant. Or that doesn't happen in Remnant. So sorry. Yeah, to which, break in, but...
3: Which I really like. Uh, I like that about that, those games. Um, at any rate, so my, uh, my experience with it, I, I kind of knew what it was about, but I remember it was free one time, and I just... Something about the art style like just snagged me and I was like, that looks really cool. So I downloaded it and I fired it up and I played through this tutorial and I was like, okay, this is creepy, but it's like manageable creepy. I I said in Discord, I'm a big wuss with stuff like that. So I, uh, that's why I like it. Those games to be co-op. Cause if I have somebody there, I'm like, okay, cool. So I was, I, I'm scared. It'd be fine. Uh, <laughs> so I took it for a spin and played it and thought it was really cool. I told Gojo he should get it while it was free. And we played it together for probably like uh, not super long just ran around the overworld, I think for a little bit. And, uh, that was that. And then I kind of put it down for a minute and then I kind of just randomly came back to it. I don't remember what it was. I have no idea what it was that prompted me to, but it coincidentally timed with you talking about it Alex was like just about maybe a week prior to that, I had been playing it just by myself and made, decent progress but i kind of reached a point where i was like i don't really know what i'm doing or i could use somebody watching my back because i feel like i was just kind of grinding it out and i kept getting killed and i was like i don't i don't know what the purpose of this is so i actually had to do some uh, extracurricular reading about the game just to kind of wrap my head around what i should be doing or if what i was the, even doing it is yeah yeah if i was even doing it right which it seemed like i was so at any rate i think that i think the design is really cool i think the creatures are really interesting there's lots of even, like, some of the little the little round minions that run around the sewers are kind of funny and, like, just interesting. And I'm like, oh, these are cool dudes that roll around. I think all the archetypes are pretty cool. The design is is neat. I like the, the world. Uh, I don't know. It just all kind of clicks for me. And I like that it's kind of fantasy-ish, but also post-apocalyptic sci-fi-ish. It's kind of blending both, so it it kind of stands on its own. I don't know. I think it's neat. Uh, it's challenging enough, but it doesn't drive me crazy uh, which is rare. I think the second one looks really awesome. And I actually will probably pick up the second one at some point, as soon as it's on any sort of sale, because I can't pay full price for a game anymore, unless it's payday three, which is coming out in a few weeks. Um, I will, I'll buy it. Even if it's like 15% off or whatever, I'll probably pick it up because I think it looks neat. I think new archetypes look cool too. Uh, I have seen a few clips of some of the bosses in remnant Two, and it looks really sweet. Uh, so anyway, yeah, that's about it. I think it's a neat game. I'm excited to keep kind of chipping away at it. The only thing that actually really, really bums me out about it is that when you're playing co-op, only the host uh, makes story progression.
2: Yeah. That and is a I bummer.
3: And I f- that's an incredible flaw, in my opinion, uh, because Alex, you and I like you said, we kind of were beating our heads against the wall, even for only 30 minutes or so, which is not like... Well, in our lives currently, that's a long time. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) In in the lives of of a lot of people, it's probably not a big deal. But anyway, it took two of us that long. And so for for me to want to just play it by myself i have to fight that dude again by myself well
2: and you may not is the thing you might fight a different boss is the interesting part
3: i I already confirmed it really
2: okay (laughs) well it's not always because you might have a different world seed than i do so that's just kind of the um the conceit of it all i think
3: the person is the same but the world the arena is different
2: there's multiple bosses that oh, really? are not the main world boss for that world. Oh, so, that's cool. I yeah. Didn't know that. So, so you can have a pretty different, and that's why one of the mechanics when you get to the world stone or whatever it is, world crystal, <clears> is that you can reroll. It'll change everything and reset your story progress, but you could face the other bosses that you missed the first time around. So that's that's um, actually pretty awesome. Yeah. So there's a lot but, of replayability in it, but I hmm. need to step away. I will be right back. John and Brian, why don't you guys start talking about Baldur's Gate? Cool.
1: Yeah, what so, if uh, we have questions about Remnant? I'm here. W-
0: we can ask Nick. Do you have questions about Remnant, Brian?
3: Um, any remnants from the discussion you wish to to bring up?
1: How how much have you guys played total?
3: Oh god, I've I've only played like 3 hours maybe cumulatively cuz I kept uh the other problem I have with games like this is I just like to make new guys and try out what the other archetypes are like <laughs> before yeah, barely you're, even you're scratching gonna the surface. You're going to want to stay
0: away from Baldur's Gate then. <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, John, I suffer from the same affliction that you do where I cannot spend less than an hour in character creation in any game. Yeah. And I don't love... So I know Alex, Alex and I are directly opposed in this. I know with like Fallout and that, he likes to... Make a guy. He likes to go into a game knowing that he can do everything that the game has. It's possible. <clears throat> I've probably created over the years like fifteen different characters in Skyrim because I like picking like a path and then like playing that down that path with that character. And like this guy is good at this thing. And if I want to play a different play style, I got to make a new guy, which is dumb because I end up burning a ton of time replaying the same parts of the game just slightly differently. Right. But I I did that with Remnant. I actually made all there's three. There's only three archetypes, so it's kind of like Destiny in that regard. You can you can get a taste of all three different classes if you want. and You don't have to commit a ton of time. <clears throat> but actually, the interesting thing about Remnant too, or Remnant as well, is that you can unlock the gear for every archetype eventually, really early That's on cool. actually. So if you pick one guy, you really got to pick them based on their um, kind of perk that they have when they're new but as far as their clothes go and equipment and weapons that are unique to each archetype uh you can acquire those other ones later so you can kind of mix and match hmm. your your play styles uh, that's cool which is kind of which is interesting but yeah like i thought for sure i'd play as the the one archetype that's kind of like the mid-range guy and alex for some bizarre reason because he never does this he uh he picked like the close-up combat guy was like the heavier armor and the shotgun and every game I've ever played with Alex, if there's a long range option, that's what he's taken. Yeah, he likes to just like pick off. And so I usually go for the close up guys because I like to get into the fray. Oh, so yeah. we we ended up flipping and playing the other way. I was playing as like the long range guy with the the sniper, and uh, we ended up having a great time. And that that balance actually worked out really well. So it was. Did you
0: uh, did you, um, did you play Outriders at all?
3: You know, I downloaded the demo on my computer, and I um. I, I fired it up and I ran around in it for like maybe half an hour and it just didn't really snag me. Okay,
0: because <clears throat> that was one it where looked,
3: like it looked really cool. Yeah, there were one there of the classes really it made me excited. Either though,
0: there were four. Yeah, there were four different archetypes uh, of of characters you could be in. And you know, one of them was close range, long range. You've got the mid range guy, and then you had like some other kind of tank. Or, like, type character. I can't remember exactly, but they, uh, that one was a very focused archetype. Like, you couldn't expand beyond that. But that's, that seems really cool that you can, in, in Remnant, you can kind of expand into the other archetypes as you play. Like, that's, that's pretty sweet.
3: Yeah. And each, uh, it's like piece multi-classing, of which
0: you can do in Baldur's Gate, too. So,
3: like, yeah. You in Remnant, all- you have like a head, armor, a chest, and, and legs. And, uh, they all offer, like the hunter gives you like extra critical damage and ranged weapon damage and then the guy in the middle gives you like uh your class items last longer and the close range guy is just like at short range you do more damage so you could wear like the helmet of the close range guy the shirt of the long range guy and the pants of the mid-range guy and you get a little bit you get like one and a half to like three percent boost but if you wear a matched set you could potentially like get a huge boost in whatever direction that is. So right. it is kind of interesting. I think it, it has already made me kind of think about how I'm playing the game. Um there was something else when you just said that that it reminded me of another game. Oh <laughs> this is perfect. To to burn a few minutes uh or a minute anyway. <laughs> John, you guess what game I picked up on sale? This was like last year, but it was like it was like eight bucks on PSN. Which game it was funny because it was a game you were so hyped on, and then it came out, and you were like, oh, man.
0: I mean, I feel like it's a lot of games <laughs> now, man.
3: <laughs> it's true. I didn't want to say it. Uh, Anthem. I picked yeah, up Anthem. Yeah, okay. And, and they, well, I guess they had done a bunch of, like, quality of life updates to it and, like, totally reworked the currency and the upgrade system. or, or So they did yeah. kind of a... Uh, not not a no man's sky because No Man's Sky was never bad. They just made it different. But anyway, apparently they did a bunch of shit to improve it. So I bought it when it was on sale and I played it for a couple of hours and I thought it was awesome.
1: Yeah.
3: And that, that it, has like that is really that is really defined classes too. So yeah, I just thought absolutely. of it when you talk about Outriders. It's like that, you pick uh, a guy and you're married to it.
0: But that that's the cool thing about Anthem is you weren't necessarily married to it because you could have the other you could you could you could unlock the other um what are they called? I f- I forgot a javelins or something. Javelins, or, yes. yeah. You could get different. You could you could wow. get into the different suits. Yeah, good pull. Yeah,
3: I, I guess I never played far enough to to but, get uh, into the other suits, but I did play a bit. I picked up like, the guy I thought would be the best for me, but it, it didn't wind up working out, so I scrapped it and tried again.
0: Yeah, I mean that was a game where they literally like we have this really awesome flying mechanic. Uh, what can we do That's with it? So cool. and they were the flying mechanics were just like, Man. Uh, I don't know. Let's just like slap a bunch of bullshit on this and see what happens. You know, like but it was it's same thing it's like uh the plague tale innocence or whatever they were like we have this mechanic with rats and we're gonna do this and like that is like the main thing about that game that like it's very focused on but like anthem like had the flying mechanic and just didn't know what to do with it like which is a
2: bummer so they couldn't they couldn't get the iron man license apparently if you
3: if you have not gone back to it since like within a few months of its release window john i think you should probably go back because i the only reason I bought it was because I read somehow on Reddit or something that they had done like a complete overhaul, basically. And yeah, I I just and then like I mean, it was cheap. Like, <clears throat> the like story said, was, was less than so bucks. the story
0: was terrible, if I recall correctly. <laughs> and I rem- and I specifically remember being incredibly disappointed that you don't even get to deliver the final blow on the last boss. It just automatically it just doesn't get it. that far. And uh, yeah, just being like, what kind of hero does this make me feel like? They, like, just they just gave that to me. Like, I don't even like it. Didn't even feel earned. Like, it just felt useless. It, so
1: it was just disappointing because it's a Bioware game and the story sucked somehow. Like, what the hell?
0: That's the thing is they had better story. It's a, it, I think it's very much a Destiny sort of situation where they had all this lore and a really awesome world built and everything mm-hmm. and then it got so stripped down because people kept moving to different projects or like different, you know, I I don't know. I, I, I don't want to make up excuses for EA. Well,
2: cause, and even the like live serviciness of it, like the story as it ends in that game is really just the jumping off point for like post game like Uh, expansions and things like that new content drops, new seasons worth of story
1: or whatever. But that didn't happen.
2: It didn't happen so you didn't even get to deliver on the fact that like there was more to come after that so it was, yeah, that's that was my main disappointment with that game but
3: Yeah, Yeah. and at any rate as soon as you said that about Outriders it made me think of that with the really strict lines between classes and uh... Yeah I think that sometimes that having having a lane like defined bumpers on either side of you can help the gameplay experience because otherwise you might just run wild and and never really never really pick a pick a direction to go in and end up yeah your being, your choice paralysis
0: as, instead of being halfway through the game is like right at the beginning and you just have to figure out which lane you want to go with and stick with it like
3: yeah um, I, I I like she I'm growing to like that more and more so. Yeah. I can't believe I somehow navigated the conversation to Anthem, but here we are. <laughs>
0: yeah. We got there. It's a video game and podcast. It's relevant. It. Yeah. yeah. So.
3: I will probably leave you guys at this point though, since I will have nothing to contribute to Baldur's Gate, and if anything, I will only derail you further. And uh I want to have something to look forward to listening to. So
2: For sure. No, that's cool. Thank man. you for joining us. Uh, Thank you for having me. It's been
3: it fun. Was, and for uh Letting me join for the movie, it was uh, it was a lot of fun. I think yeah, more, glad you
0: could make it, man.
3: More video game movies uh, would be would be fun to talk about. If you guys want to do a, a a revisit of, have John or Brian, have either of you guys seen Need for Speed? I have not.
1: Mm-hmm. No. Oh, yeah, should, I, I really want to done. revisit the Doom movie. <laughs> Doom. Yeah, we
3: Doom? Oh, about, yeah. yeah,
2: we talked about Doom <laughs> in the Warcraft episode, and yeah, I still have not watched Doom, so.
3: Well if you guys are ever uh hard up for a, a side end. quest one week and you want to pick a video game movie and I can jump in and join you guys, that'd be a lot of fun. Uh, yeah, yeah. sure.
0: We can make that happen.
3: There's there's so many legitimately good ones out there. I think more than maybe people realize or maybe goods a good time. There's <laughs> entertaining. legitimately entertaining. We're gonna yeah. start
0: with the Mario movie
2: from the <clears> like nineties <throat> or whenever that came out. <laughs> we'll just do a I'm, series. I'm down? The Hoskins-Liguizamo joint. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Well, thank yeah. you, Nick. Yeah, thanks, thank Nick. Thank you,
0: guys. All right, so Baldur's Gate. Baldur's Gate 3, rather. Yes. Uh, I don't even know where to begin with this other than, like, I I don't remember. I think, Brian, you said something about how, uh, or who was somebody, like, was 7 Round Burst was excited about it, or somebody?
1: Yeah, he was asking if we were going to talk about it on the yeah, podcast.
0: Yeah, 7, just so you know. You're the reason I bought the game, because I like you as a person, and uh, I wanted to be able
1: to fulfill your dreams. <laughs> I mean, really, I pushed you to buy it because I didn't want him to be disappointed that you weren't going to talk about it.
0: Yeah, but also, like, I did it because I actually like Seven. <laughs> yeah, he's a cool dude. So, anyways, uh, Baldur's Gate 3, uh, if you're not familiar with Baldur's Gate it is a land uh, a, a domain in uh, the, the Dungeons & Dragons Forgotten Realms universe uh, the game follows a lot of the fifth edition Dungeons & Dragons rule set um, I don't want to get too much into the nitty-gritty of that but I will say that it does feel a lot like playing straight-up D&D and I do appreciate the fact that you can back out the camera to the top-down view which feels mm-hmm. a lot like playing D&D with my friends on Tuesday nights uh over Roll20 which is a D&D web platform uh tabletop web platform really but um yeah i i got stuck in the character creator for a very long time and made a few different characters trying to just get a feel <laughs> What's for a what very i long wanted. Time? uh i think I, I honestly Steam says
2: you've played the game for like three hours. How much yeah. of that was character creator? Sorry, At least, five hours.
0: I would say like probably two hours of character creation. Wow. <laughs> um, and ultimately settled on just playing as one of the pre-made characters for my first playthrough.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Um, I fair. think first mainly because
0: yeah, because because I want I I like the idea that the game has pre-made characters because they have voices and like i'm not necessarily role-playing if i were playing with friends a co-op session and we all made our own characters where i don't have to control what your character does and things i think i would probably be more into that um as opposed to the fact that like i'm playing someone else's game that they've designed uh with pre-made characters and like i i just feel like i'm playing the game it was intended to be played originally in a way i don't know if that makes sense but um i really like a lot of what's going on in this game from a dungeons and dragons standpoint specifically like i really like the the almost like passive uh perception attributes and things coming into play like when you're walking around and if you do the search command if you have like higher perception you'll see things that other people don't see and like that kind of shit. And uh, I like walking around the world and like randomly running into like vines and like having it automatically does like a passive saving throw to see if you get caught in the vines or not like without you having to do anything like um, I think that's really cool. Those sorts of things. Um, the dice rolling mechanic is very sweet uh, just because it's again very D&D like you're in a conversation with someone and you're you want to intimidate them so you tell the game the dm you're like hey uh, i'm going to use intimidation against this npc and the dm says okay roll the d20 so you roll a d20 and then you add your modifier to see if like you pass the skill check i i love everything about that it feels so D and uh it's it's pretty great um the again i i, I don't have a ton of time in the story but I'm I really really dig the mind Flayer, uh thing that they've got going on mm-hmm. I think this it's really cool way to uh, to just get you kind of right into the shit of this of whatever they're trying to do I again I don't know everything because I've only I the other problem is I keep saves scumming and I keep doing all kinds of other shit where like I get disappointed in the decision I made or in the result that I got so I, I flip back to a quick save and just kind of reload and <laughs> So I, I'm, it's like two, one step forward, two steps back. Everything I do in this game because I, I get that choice paralysis and like, that sort of, uh, of, of bullshit. But, um, it's I'm playing it on Steam Deck. I should say that. So uh, I've heard that once you get out of the first map setting that it's in, which is a pretty large setting, that the frame rates become unplayable. For some reason, I don't know why that is, but everyone online on Reddit was like, "This is bullshit, like this is supposed to be deck verified and blah blah blah. it's deck verified. it works for me for now. I probably will never make it out of the main world like that first world because of the way I've been playing, or it's gonna take that's, me forty that's hours the act
1: to, one world,
0: yeah, it'll take me forty hours to get through that. Who knows? I don't know, I have no idea um supposedly." The actual Baldur's Gate domain is like three of those map sizes, which is fucking
1: insane. That's um, big. You mean the city of Baldur's Gate? Yeah, like oh, that's that's crazy. Yeah, so, Because yeah, you didn't specify earlier, like. It's the Sword Coast that is the yes. main region, right? And then Baldur's Gate is the city on the Correct. Sword Coast. Yes, yeah.
0: the Sword Sword Coast is the main region of the of uh, the the Forgotten Realms, and Baldur's Gate is the main big ass city uh, kingdom, I guess, which would be the... was
1: always featured in the other games as well. Yes, and it was massive in the old ones.
0: And I actually, I, it's funny because I have this. Amazing high-res map of the Sword Coast that I downloaded off the internet for when we're playing D D and my DM is calling out a location. I can zoom in on this map and like peep it and it's fucking rad. Like it's such a sweet map. Anyways, that's total nerd bullshit. But uh yeah, it's this this game, I see myself playing this for a long time until Starfield comes out, and then I will probably <laughs> flip flop between them
2: depending on what my current situation is but you you will get uh at least five hours into both games after all the saves coming that you do and yeah. character creating I'll yeah.
0: probably I'll make it a point to spend at least two hours in starfield creating a character too just to balance things out you know make yeah. things right in the world yep but uh yeah no it's um I'm not really sure what else to say about it other than uh, if I'm gonna nitpick at anything I don't really like the fact that I was given zero indication as to like how to do things like I didn't know how to pull up the action wheels in order to choose commands because again I'm playing on deck so it's not like I have a toolbar of commands and things that I can do which it looked like you have when you play mouse and keyboard um, also if you touch the touch screen on the deck it does move the game into that mode. So you could play like point and click version. Interesting. Um, But I, that I didn't want to do that. So I haven't been, um, and I did set up my steam deck so I can hook it to the TV. But I, uh, my other Xbox controller, the apparently my play and charge kit is no longer functional. So I need a new battery for it, but, um, that's besides the point.
2: The game's really cool. And you guys should talk about what your experience has been. Mine will be pretty brief. I know Brian's played the most of the three of us. I mean, I've only played maybe three-ish hours, I think, according to Steam. <clears throat> I mean, I made a uh, high elf ranger, and his name is Tad, because that's what Reese calls both Nicole and I for some reason, so his name is also <laughs> Tad. And um, <laughs> Tad the high elf ranger... Um, is so far pretty unremarkable and kind of milk toasts, You know, like whatever, he's fine at this point. I don't know who he is. I haven't found who he is as a character yet. Um, which is what I'm most looking forward to. And I like that this game, you know, I think the thing to me is I have to fight against those urges. Like John is saying in terms of saves coming, because if I don't, I will get nowhere. Uh, like I will never get anywhere in the game. Absolutely. And so, to me when you play a game like this becoming the character that you inhabiting the character doing the role playing of the role playing game is that like I made that choice and the dice didn't go my way oh well I need to move on and accept it and maybe it'll be you know in general I think the choices that end up coming through in that sense do color your world but hopefully in the end don't hamper your ability to enjoy the game necessarily so we'll see how that goes as i as i continue playing what i will say is that this feels like everything missing from bethesda rpgs to me in terms of having these dice rolls you know it's not just a do you have seven charisma then you have the option to do this it's like your charisma is high you have a good chance of making it through this check but we'll see what if you do and you have these different modifiers and the party members that you have can also add to your ability to pass a check that kind of thing those kinds of thoughtful role-playing elements are what i feel like was missing from fallout 4 and so i'm like Baldur's Gate, when I hear the words Baldur's Gate, I think of, like John, you were saying, very zoomed out, static backgrounds, sprites moving across those very zoomed out backgrounds, things like that. So when I see Baldur's Gate 3 in action, it's kind of a miracle. Like, it doesn't feel like something I ever would have thought possible when I was seeing what Baldur's Gate 2 was. Yeah. No, it's, it's a very different game in that it respect. Ma- like- it makes me wish that Fallout 5 went back to the old Fallout formula. Give me Fallout in this Baldur's Gate 3 engine and I would just explode. Like I would there would I wouldn't have to play another video game anymore. Like that <laughs> would just be it. I'd be done for the rest of my life. Yeah. I would play Fallout 5 and so, you know, they've gone a different direction with that stuff. But I'm like, you know, Fallout 5 might be one year in production. It could be seven years in production. And it might not come out for another 32. I don't know. But I, I hope they're seeing Baldur's Gate and being like, whoa, we could do something crazy here. And And so, you know, I think I'm excited to play more Baldur's Gate. It's not normally something I would get into. But I feel like there's a lot of potential there for me to enjoy this world that I know virtually nothing about um, and get some of that RPG that's missing from Bethesda stuff uh, before, you know, Starfield comes out and, and, you know, we see what they do with their current. Not that these are two things that really need to be compared or should be compared in a lot of ways, but they're both role playing games and
0: yeah, but they are very different role playing games. They're going for
2: different things for sure. Yeah. Um and but but it's this is making me realize that maybe what I want is more of what's coming out of things like Divinity and uh and you know, I just want more of a sci-fi setting which I don't feel like you normally get in uh, a lot of those a lot of those types of games. We'll see. I don't know. There's right. probably if you're listening to this and you think of a few, let me know. But anyway, Brian, what are your thoughts? As the most storied Baldur's Gate fan there is, and Larian Studios for that matter, how do you feel about Baldur's Gate 3? As someone who went to school with Tolkien. <laughs> As someone <laughs> who was at Baldur's Gate uh, when, <laughs> I don't know, any of the historical
1: events. Anyway. Um, I did play the first two games. I did not finish either of them because they were both really long and difficult. (laughs) Like this one seems to be, (laughs) um, I mean, with the modernizations that have come along with three, I feel like maybe I'll finish this, but I probably won't finish it before Starfield comes out and I will Mm -hmm. drop off of it. Kind of like I did with the Witcher three and then eventually go back to it and finish it. Hopefully. But, I feel um, like there's
2: every every world where like maybe Starfield doesn't catch you, and then you end up back at Baller's Gate, or vice possible. versa. You know, like who knows? Yeah. But anyway,
1: I, I, this game, yeah when it when I first started playing it, I was just like blown away. I was like, this is fucking amazing. Like, I just liked everything about it. Honestly, But having played the last couple of days and having really shit rolls all the fucking time and just confusingly bad luck in other ways. I'm like, okay, Did maybe turn I'll off just the stop. Karmic dice? I think I'm going to, to see how that goes. <laughs> it's supposed to be helpful,
2: but, um, yeah. So just for the context of those who don't know, there's an option in the game that basically lets you, if you get a bunch of bad dice rolls, the game is supposed to allow itself to correct things for you a little bit to kind of give you the experiment, experience of a, a DM who might take it easier on you yes, if you're a, having a, a hard time. Yes, a benevolent DM. Somebody who's trying to make sure you're having a good time, not just playing the rules of the game, you know, that kind I, yeah, of thing. Yeah, I
0: should also shout out my, my, my group because... Uh, you know they're they may actually listen to this cuz we're talking about Baldur's Gate but shout out to to DM Bex and uh Mark and Eric and John but yeah like it's it's nice like that's the thing is like the game feels like playing a legit like session of D&D especially with the narration that happens and the way it happens and the and and it's like omniscient presence uh over the the game and everything is is very cool um, cause a good DM will play that sort of thing as well. Uh, and, and like you said, do that sort of like dice correction when needed, like it play, it plays that way. So anyways, go keep going, Brian.
1: What else? Um, well, let me go back to the beginning here. Um, so when I started the character creation, I spent about 45 minutes on it and I changed, I think, my subclass or whatever and didn't realize it completely changed my appearance and then I loaded into the game and I was like, who the fuck is this character? (laughs) And then I ran out of time that evening and then I had to go out of town for the weekend. So, But I was just like, man, I just want to play Baldur's (laughs) Gate.
3: Which I hadn't had had that feeling
1: in a while. And, uh, I mean, I had a good time, but... Um, still, I was like, when I got back, I'm like, all right, get to play some more. But uh, luckily, I remembered every choice I made, basically, and I altered my uh, my subclass or race or whatever. No, I altered the race slightly so that way I could actually have a beard. Because I was going to do a draw and I realized I didn't have beards at all. So I did a half mm-hmm. draw and that was cool you can actually have a beard and uh so yeah I ended up doing a druid and that's been pretty fun because you can do cool shape-shifting things and like with the perception thing that you were talking about earlier every once in a while you'll find like you'll, you'll find little like cracks or holes and walls and you can change to cat form and actually like go through them that's awesome. But you that's have to leave cool. your party behind, obviously, unless they're all druids, which is probably never going to happen. <laughs> and, uh... Yeah, so that's cool. And, I mean, there's a bunch of other... types of, uh, animals you can turn into. Like, bears, and, uh... There's, like, a bird of some sort. I haven't even tried that yet. A badger, and they can burrow underground. But... I don't know. Anyways, to be honest, I don't really use that mechanic so much in combat as I do, like, just for exploration purposes. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, overall, after doing the character creation and getting into the game, though, I was very happily surprised that uh it's like a lot easier to get into than uh divinity original sin 2 was like in divinity i just feel like you just start getting your ass kicked immediately (laughs) by like tiny creatures because the mechanics are in that game they're just pretty deep and uh involve a lot of environmental effects like you have to stack a lot of different types of damage and there's two different types of armor you have to get through there's like magic and physical armor you can kind of focus on one or the other um yeah it's uh like divinity always feels like the odds are stacked against you i feel like even on easy mode it just seems hard still like you really have to think about what you're doing and this game, when you start, feels pretty easy, in my opinion. And the combat goes a lot quicker. Um, but having played, I'd say when I got to about 15 hours or so, that kind of changed. And I just feel like I'm getting my ass handed to me every situation I get in. And I, it's like, I feel like they patched the game in between play sessions and like everything's impossible now, which is really Stamped. weird. Because I mean, I was having a blast. I I played like most of Thursday and Friday evening, um, and made a shit ton of progress. And then when I tried to play Saturday and Sunday, I basically I should have been scumming more because I wasted so many. Like, my saves coming approach is a little different than usual. I haven't been saving too much, like, in combat. Like, hey, you know, I should go back because I got damage or whatever. I've been kind of just saving before encounters and whatnot. And uh, only reloading, like, if everything goes south. Like, everybody dies or whatever. Yeah. But I've just wasted so much time on encounters and then realized, oh yeah, there's no way I'm actually going to get this. And then I've had to reload and just like, fuck off to a different area of the map and see what happens there. And I've done this like three times, four times in a row now. In every area I go to, I keep encountering something that's just uh, my level, but it seems to be like stacked way above my level for some reason. Do you feel like it's maybe like a party incompatibility
2: or there's like something... was like you're missing a role that might help with a mechanic that you're not fully grokking for some reason?
1: I think it's me... Part of it is me needing to understand how to better utilize all the different spells and abilities because, I mean, that's one thing that... I feel is maybe the not enemies are as weak as... to
2: cat bites, and you're not using <laughs> that in combat.
1: <laughs> no, I, I feel like the overwhelming amount of uh, spells and such that they give you right away is not beneficial to learning how to yeah. do to play combat efficiently, and uh, like Divinity Original Sin actually handles that better like you don't have that many abilities immediately and it's it's a little clear what they do I, I still to this day i've seen color spray in every fucking D D video game i've ever played and it never seems to actually do anything i don't understand <laughs> it like i think it's a joke at this point because it I didn't says even... it does damage and it never does damage, and it doesn't also it doesn't blind anybody. I don't understand, or maybe just it's just really easy to to uh, get the saving throw on it. I don't know. I
2: um, I I used a spell like a healing spell in one of the encounters on the on the ship on the mind flayer ship, and I didn't even it, I. I don't know if I missed the tutorial or tooltip thing or something, but I didn't even understand that, like, is it on a cooldown or, like, when will that... When will I be able to cast another spell again, or anything so like that? That's
0: a D and D thing—is understanding yeah. spell slots. Which, if you don't play D and D, you don't yeah, really get. it. that was that confusing like, at first. When you use an ability, when you use a spell that uses up a spell slot, you can't use it again until you have a long rest, like and re- and you recharge your spell slots. Essentially, okay. so, so that's like, like you,
1: basically everything cool in the game. But that's the so whole point than, of, like... The, the, the cantrips are, like, fine, but... Yeah,
0: cantrips are fine, but that's the whole thing about, like, D&D is, like, it creates the challenge of, like, you can't just go around spamming the same spell all the time. Like, you have to know when to use the thing correctly and, like, precisely. Like, it's not... Well... That, we always see. we always made the joke of, of, like, our group, like, being a... We're murder hobos. Like, we're <laughs> a bunch of wanderers that go around just killing everything, and, like... Hmm the first round of of d like the first session of dnds that, that i played with this group like uh we had way more we, we actually were playing with like six people i think six player characters in a dm it was pretty crazy that's a big group like that's why you're only locked to like four characters like in the game um but like the we played pretty loosely with a lot of the rules and things you know um and a lot of that was because, like, a good portion of the guys we were playing with did not have a history of playing D anD. d They just wanted to play D anD. d to see how it was what learn. it's about. Yeah. yeah. So, um, you know, we kind of played a little fast and loose with with spell slots and things like that. But it's it, you're not you're not meant to just be able to run around and like use the same spell repeatedly over and over again. Um, and
1: I, I, I get that. Right. Yeah, and they
0: don't they don't get into like when you're using spells in, in the game in in the actual like D&D like you have to have um there there are um I don't remember what they're called now off the top of my head, but you have to have like things that help you like cast the spell. It's almost like you're preparing you have to prepare elements to like have in order to utilize a spell or if a spell utilizes what's called concentration, that means that like when you're using it it's the only thing you're doing so if it's a spell that like is a bind spell and it holds an enemy in a specific area as long as you don't do anything as as a character like you will continue to hold that care that so that enemy. character
2: has to bind it and the other ones have to go and attack right correct like, that's basically yeah.
0: like and that's and like you can't just go around bind something and then go and attack something else because it's going to unbind that like because it releases it from your concentration like I I like the fact that a lot of these thing these elements of actual D and D are built into this. I think it makes it way more interesting, uh, and and it creates um. It, it's it's almost like the Mario vs Rabbids battle, like where every battle's a puzzle in a way, and like yeah. you you can't just attack the puzzle the same way every time. You've got to kind of figure your way around it. Maybe the previous encounter you didn't take a long rest, so you don't have your spell slot. So how are you going to get through that? Like. I think that's really great.
2: I think that's a very like distinguishing feature of this, but it's interesting to me that like there isn't necessarily not to harp on my like every game needs a tutorial, not necessarily, but this seems like such a I think it's taken as such a given in terms of like you're playing Baldur's Gate, this is a the fundamentals of D and D are in this game. Um You know, and it's something, Brian's played previous Baldur's Gate games and didn't necessarily, like, you know, immediately understand. I'm sure it made more sense to him in terms of using spells and waiting between long rests or whatever, that kind of thing. Maybe that occurs to him quicker than I was ever going to figure it out. But the fact that, like, you know, there's not... I didn't see a tooltip, maybe it's somewhere in the menus where I can that's, read about these that's things. The thing is but. like
0: there are tooltips that keep popping up, but I'm so engrossed in what's happening, I'm not paying attention to the tooltips because I'm sure there was a tooltip telling me how to pull up the ability wheel in order to like cast a spell or use an action or whatever. I don't but even like, know
1: what you're talking about with ability wheel. Well, that's, that's probably the, like a Steam Deck. Thing. It's, it's, a, yeah, it's, it's a it's a controller thing. Controller it's like if you're interface. playing with the controller, gotcha.
0: like you hold down or you tap the shoulder button and it brings up your abilities, as opposed to having again the toolbar at the bottom with all of your
2: abilities laid out. You know what I mean? I've played both ways, and I really like the direct movement of playing with the controller, but I also like the toolbar thing of, uh, of like the point and click. So yeah, like you know, um, am I, right? It, it'll, I, I,
0: it, it'll grow on you or whatever yeah, i guess i, think I don't either, know
2: but either way i'll probably be fine but uh, you know it's it's just interesting i don't know i i wonder how much of that also maybe switching between the two if it decides to show you different tool tips or something like that like you know maybe you miss the ability wheel thing if you since i started on pc and then i went to steam deck and then back to pc that kind of thing but right yeah
1: um anyways though Sorry. <laughs> I don't run a merry band of murder hobos. I try to talk my way through most things I can, to be honest, yeah. or get around them. But, uh, I mean, obviously, you yeah. stand up in combat sometimes. But the, I have some issues with it in the last couple of days. Uh, for one... Yeah, the the spell thing is cool. Like I understand the system now. Um, it took some adjustment to get used to that again because I hadn't played a Baldur's, I hadn't played a D and D game in forever. So, but I'm sure that was always a thing, and um... that's cool that you only get to use them until your long rest. Except for the fact that most of my shit misses. <laughs> Like, 75% of the time I would say things miss, no matter what percentage it gives me. And so it's like, oh, there goes the big deal that the one fucking thing that's supposed to really help me out and turn the tide of battle, and then I'm stuck wandering around without that for a while because you can't long rest too much in this game or you miss a lot of shit happening kind of semi-real time. Like, events happen... And you cannot, you'll miss out on them. Like there was, there yeah. were several characters already. I've already seen have died while I was long resting. So there, that quest was done. And I've only hmm. long rested four times. Interesting. Um. So there's that I have a problem with. The other thing is with the the combat and the dice thing and the like. I can usually only, you know, attack or, like, a, a, attack is an action. You get an action and you get, like, a... Special like action. A I special think. action. Bonus action. Bonus action, yeah. So, that's cool. And movement, whatever. Uh, I'll get stuck in these ruts where, like, I have to keep using my actions to pick up other players or side action to heal over and over again. And like, if I try to like help up a downed character, they just get eliminated immediately again. So it's just a, a loop. So I can't actually get an edge ever. And that wouldn't be like, okay, maybe I didn't plan well. That's cool. Sure. Except, how can I really plan for the fact that I only get to attack maybe once? Maybe, well, okay, definitely once, maybe twice in a turn. If you have, like, a, like an offhanded attack or something, or like a Flourish or whatever. Um, but I keep encountering these enemies that can hit me three times in one turn. And there's more of them than there are of my players, like your character's. And for some reason, their dice are better than mine. Like, <laughs> this just this has happened over and over again the last two sounds days. Sounds like
2: your dice are cursed. You gotta buy so some So I'm dice. probably
1: gonna turn off the Karmic Dice option, because I think it's which, fucking broken. Which, uh... All, are you, several are you, different encounters. Not are, the, just the same playing, one over and over again. Are you playing again. the balanced playthrough, or are you playing... Yeah. Okay. Which was balanced on Friday. And then I went to sleep and I woke up and I played on Saturday and now the game just doesn't work anymore.
2: Uh, I'm reading the patch notes for the most recent patch. It just says, fuck Brian and capital (laughs)
1: letters. (laughs) I was having a damn good time and I'm still having a good time, but I'm not getting anywhere. It's just like I'm exploring and I'm finding new encounters that are stacked way against me, but they shouldn't be based on the level of the characters and the you know, amount of characters there are but it's just it's just an endless loop of me trying to keep people alive because they get hit every fucking time for like shit tons of damage
2: are you are you someone like me who just hoards gold and never spends it on armor
1: like do you feel like you're keeping up mm, your well your i loot? mean that might be a possibility yeah, but also it's because I keep finding good shit because I'm when it comes to exploration, I'm usually pretty resourceful, and I have a good character set up to where I can see like the perception thing comes into play a lot, and I find
2: you turn into a things. cat and you drag a flail out of like a hole in the wall. Yeah, exactly. Yeah,
1: but it doesn't fit all the way. But anyways, so that's that's my biggest beef is especially the uh the recovering downed characters and then them getting one hitted immediately again loop that that's just that's fucked up like it's that happened, frustrating it's like i I helped up the same character three times in a row and they got hit immediately like why why don't they ever miss after they get helped up? It never fucking happens they always get taken out again
2: hmm.
0: It could be because if a character was downed and is brought up, like maybe there the enemy has like a is playing with advantage on their dice, possibly like maybe I don't know because you were prone or something along those lines. I don't I don't really know, but. I'm just yeah, gonna I, I, did, I, to I do. I do keep i I do keep forgetting to disengage when I move away from an enemy yeah, and then they fucking fuck, like backstab me or whatever that's fucking obnoxious like yeah
1: very, very well, I didn't realize that was a thing
0: either yeah if you don't disengage as an action it uses up like an action uh, Oh, then, so
1: that uses up an action too cool yeah so, so how you did, do you, you actually do anything on your turns ever?
0: Well, see, that's again. This is the benefit of playing with a DM in real life. That, like, uh, you know, kind of lets some of the rules slide because as you play, you kind of realize like this is kind of fucking ridiculous. Like, this, yeah, but- like, like that kind of shit sucks, man. And if if actual D anD D was like that, like nobody would want to play it. <laughs>
1: the the enemy <laughs> characters don't have to disengage all the time and stuff. They just kind of move no, you, all over the you place willy nilly. Set-
0: you you can set like disengage actions or whatever or whatever they're like I don't remember what it's called but you can set different actions for when an enemy like doesn't disengage, uh when they move away from you. I thought to, that like,
1: that's I thought it was an automatic thing. It is, but you have to set those up. I think like you have to hmm. apply it somehow. I get huh. okay, so you know what now that hmm. Because you can... You're taking me back to old old Baldur's Gate, which was actually real-time, but I remember now that you you could set up, (laughs) um, I can't think of the right term, but basically, like, you could set up a behavior for them. A reaction. It's like a reactive response or whatever. like, it it was pretty in-depth. You could set up all kinds of different, uh... Oh, Ah, I can't uh, think of the term, right?
0: The script scripts.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You could set up scripts for all your characters so that they could kind of just do things on their own if you didn't want to micromanage them. Yes. That was pretty cool. That would be kind of neat if they did have this in this game, to be honest. But however, this is much more manageable because it's only four characters and Baldur's Gate was six, which was a lot. Right. Well, but,
0: but overall, you like it.
1: I'll I'll still be playing more. I just I think I'm going to turn the karmic dice thing off because I think it's bullshit. And I uh, I,
2: I hope I like I honestly hope it's not that. I want to come back to this in two weeks and have you be like, this is the thing that I was missing, and here's how I figured it out because, uh, you know that sucks if it's like this game has been in early access i would think they figured that out you know like and i understand that like you push an update maybe something breaks but i I would be really disappointed for that to be the solution to this problem of like oh it turns uh, out something in the menu that you can toggle
0: right like that's the disappointment it's not like it's not like you were engaging enemies incorrectly or like you had the wrong armor on or you're using the wrong weapon or tactic or whatever. Like it was literally just a menu option that you can uncheck like that. Yeah. That would be super disappointing for sure.
2: The wrong armor. Now you, now you have me wondering. <laughs> so I, yeah, I don't know,
0: but, I do love the battle system, though. I think it's fun. Like I like it's it's way better than playing real time, which you can toggle real time on and off. And that's I was actually listening to uh, Triple Click, and they were talking about toggling the the real time on so that you can set up like you can do stealth stuff in mm-hmm. real time, uh, mm-hmm. as opposed to um, like it it rolling initiative. Like you can yeah. get the you can get the leg up on enemies like by doing the real time thing. And, like, yeah, sneaking up that. on people and backstabbing them. And, you know, like, you can literally stealth your way through an entire area backstabbing characters and, like, learning their patterns of movement and shit. And then, like, flick it back over to turn-based whenever you're ready. Like... That's cool. Yeah,
1: yeah the vision cone thing is very cool. It's very, like, uh, playing real-time stealth games like Dishonored or whatever. <laughs> Metal Gear, they, yeah. they
0: compared it on Triple Click, they compared it they they compared it to Stealth Inc. I don't know if you guys ever played that game. I
2: heard great things about it. I have yeah. not played it, but
0: a, a, a tactical stealth game. Like tactical turn based stealth game or whatever. Which was well, kind of the idea that I had for like a Rainbow Six like tactical turn based strategy game.
2: But yeah, I remember you talking about that. Yeah. Um anyways. I uh, I am unfortunately running out of SD card space, so I think we should end the conversation now before that, that is catastrophic fine. in I some way. But need to go we to bed. we will come back to Baldur's Gate more. I'm sure definitely. Uh, I'm uh, not next, giving up on it. Next episode, and probably at the end of the year, and maybe into 2024, honestly, for that matter. So, um,
1: but so, yeah, suffice to, to say, we
2: are all enjoying it.
0: To find all the places you can listen to the show, check out midwestgamers.com slash links. The Midwest Podcast Network is a Patreon. Patreon supports all the shows on our network. You can subscribe for as little as $1 a month to help keep our shows alive and well. Check it out at npn.bz slash Patreon. Thanks to Jason K, Tom Z, David O, and Corey Z for the contributions. One of the first to join the Patreons you get early access to our bonus episodes that we call SideQuest. We're not going to do a Side Quest this week because this is a long episode for us, but we will get one next time. And uh, yeah, just be prepared for that. And uh, yeah. As always, we appreciate your feedback. You can send to MidwestGamers at gmail.com. Don't forget to rate and review us on your favorite podcatcher. And, uh, yeah, next time we will probably talk more Baldur's Gate. So be prepared for that. And uh, we'll see you then. Peace.